On today's show, we have a special guest in the studio. He'll be providing insight as to how he built his food empire. Uh, this gentleman has been a friend of mine for a long time. I've watched him grow over time. Uh, he is now <laughs> he is now restaurant owner. He is now media personality, social media influencer. Uh, he has his own product lines. He is rocking it big time, and uh, he's going to be talking to us about how he did that today. I want to welcome to the show my friend and superstar, Jay Dakoti. Think Jargon is a podcast about marketing, sales, and content creation. If acronyms like SEO, PPC, and CRM make your head spin, then this podcast is for you. We cut through the jargon used by fancy agencies to help you make sense of the ever-changing world of modern marketing. Thanks for joining us. And now, here are your hosts, inbound marketing expert, Jarrett Broussard, and digital content creator, Stuart Poulton. I want to welcome to the show, Jay Dakoti. How are you doing? Stuart, doing well. How are you? I'm fantastic, man. Thanks for making time. Oh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so so first question, I just really, for my own personal, I, how do you pronounce your surname? Dakoti? Dakoti. Yep, you, Dakoti. you got it right. Yeah, I just, I did say it's Dakote, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it, uh, an old French pronunciation would have been more like Ducote. Yeah, right? no kidding, but, no kidding. So I've um, I've known you for many years. Yes. I, I have watched you grow into this little empire that you have right now. But for people that don't know Jay, who Jay Dakote is, could you just give us a quick overview of where you're at now? Let's not delve into the history yet, but where are you at now? What are you into as far as, uh, as, far as work and business and life goes? Yeah, so... Uh, as far as work and business goes, three main uh, operations. Uh, it starts with being the president of the J. Dakota Hospitality Group. Uh, and then the branches of that are our um, are, are government taco. Uh, which is my restaurant, which will soon be reopening on Government Street in Baton Rouge. We were in White Star Market for two years, and then White Star closed down right at the onset of COVID and won't be reopening. But we already had plans to move out of there and into our own space. So that's almost ready now, and we'll be reopening Government Taco. Uh, and then the JD's product line, which is my barbecue sauce, Louisiana molasses mustard, barbecue rubs, wine, coffee, uh, all things culinary product-wise that I sell online and then around 150 supermarkets across South Louisiana and into coastal Mississippi and coastal Alabama. So, so you're the food guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I eat and drink for a living. That's what I really do. <laughs> uh, and, and then the third facet of everything uh, that keeps me mostly busy is uh, is the Jay Dakota Show, which is my uh, daily drive home talk radio show. It's on Talk 107.3 Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 p.m. So I'm, uh, I'm the host of my own radio show now as well. I, I've been doing a radio show since 2011, but it's been the Bite and Booze Show, and it's been just food and beverage content on the weekends. Now it's Monday through Friday, two hours a day, 4 to 6 p.m. And uh, we still do a lot of food and beverage stuff, but a lot of other culture, uh, music, arts, entertainment, uh, lifestyle. And then, uh, and then getting into news and uh, you know current events and things like that. Obviously, with so I don't mean to to, yeah, to be overly complimentary, but you have um, you have built yourself an empire that I know through my own experience meeting chefs and things that every food person that loves food wants to do. Right. And so, um, yeah, I've I you are in the restaurant business. You are a food producer. You're a media personality, and and uh, I, I kind of uh, affectionately refer to you as the food porn guy because you can take 
Bundesliga burger and make me want to eat it just in the written words. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's awesome, man. So I wanted to well, bring, thank you. I wanted to bring you in today because uh, our show is all about kind of marketing for non-marketers. We want to help people that are trying to build things like you've built. And I find that these kind of conversations... You know, I don't, I don't have a direction for it necessarily, but, you know, by the end of it, there's something in there that someone might be able to take away from when you have a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. um, in the same way that whenever friends of mine, uh, you know, tell me they're going to England and they're going to go see England, I always laugh because you never see England in one trip, right? And right. so in the same way that they should focus when they go to England on one thing, we're going to focus today on your rubs and sauces. Okay. Does that sound saucy? Yeah, that's that sounds great. <laughs> All right. So News to me, but it sounds great. All right. So let's... let's, let's Let's get into the the, 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 the the sauces and the rubs. First, help me out because I don't cook. Yep. I know what a barbecue sauce is. I've eaten barbecue. I've eaten your barbecue sauce. It's delicious, man. But how on the earth do you use a rub? Like, what is a rub for a person that doesn't cook and how do you use it? So a, a rub is a more uh, more potent seasoning. Uh, so, so like you can season food with salt and pepper, right? right? Uh, you can season food with any Cajun or Creole seasoning. Slap your mama is my brand of choice, but Tony Shastri <laughs> is actually Zatarans. a brand down here. Yes, for those yes. that's slap your mama. Yeah, yeah. It's an affectionate term. It's like you're patting <laughs> your mom on the back because she cooks such good food. Um, so, so the, the, you know, but all of those are super salt heavy as well. I mean, they, they really are seasoned salts. Sure. And and you sprinkle it on. A rub really kind of dictates that you're going to be able to liberally apply that seasoning and rub it into the meat, and it's not going to over-salt that meat. Mm. So uh, while barbecue rubs can get pretty salty, because if they're supposed to be used on uh, a pork shoulder or a brisket or a large piece of meat like that, they still need a lot of salt. Uh, the intended purpose is uh, for, you know, for that kind of cooking. Mm. I can tell you've done this before, right? You've, mm. uh, you've, you've, you've rubbed a few uh, briskets in a your few, time. A few racks of ribs, a few briskets, yeah. Yeah, yeah I can tell because I'm kind of getting hungry just listening to you. Okay, so that, that's what a rub is. And so um, give me those, those, those flavors or those blends that you have in your line. Yeah, so, so my flagship uh, rub has been the spicy and sweet barbecue rub. It's, uh, it's got some onion, some garlic, some smoked paprika, some chili powder, some cayenne, uh, and brown sugar, salt, pepper. And so it's... Uh, it really is kind of a Louisiana take on a barbecue rub. It's got a, a similar flavor profile uh, to what you see in a lot of Louisiana seasonings. It's just done in a a uh, ratio that allows it to be rubbed on chicken and ribs and, and pork shoulders and things like that. Beautiful. Then there's also the backyard brisket rub, the hot chicken rub, which is uh, modeled after Nashville hot chicken, and <laughs> uh, and then a coffee chili rub as well. It sounds delicious, man. Did you, did you, did you always want to like be a food producer? Is this something you had a passion for for a while? How'd you get into no, it? No, so that came out of... Um, so I, I, I started blogging and my blog turned into my Bite and Booze radio show. That sure. turned into uh, some public appearances and stuff. And, and I quit my day job and I was trying to eat and drink for a living and do this full time. And I, I realized that I had ways through the blog and the radio show to get some sponsorship and advertising dollars. And I could find ways to monetize what I was doing through that way. Sure. But what I didn't have was any way to monetize the fan base that I had. I had people following me on social media. I had people reading my blog. I had people listening to my radio show, but I didn't really have a way to convert that into dollars. And okay. I needed to find a way to do that just for business sake and and, and so that I could do this for a living. Um, so there were, there was some money coming in 
through advertisers and sponsorship, but I kind of said, well, what if, what if I kind of was my own advertiser and sponsor? What if I, I was pushing people to taste my flavors? And I was developing my portfolio as a chef at the same time. I was doing some barbecue competitions. And so the, the Louisiana barbecue sauce and the spicy and sweet barbecue rub both came out of that competition barbecue world. And, uh, and they were the first products that I really wanted to, to put together and sell with my name on it. And it was really, you know, it was, it was a way to put my flavors in a, in a bottle and, and put my name on it and, and use it as a marketing tool as well as a, a sales engine. I, uh, I, I find it, uh, I find it fun to listen to you talk about your journey because I always think when you look backwards on what you've built or what you've achieved, there's no way you could have planned that going oh, no. forward, right? And no, it, none of this has been planned. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm, I'm getting at. But it, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where traditionally people might stumble across a recipe and think, Oh, you know, people might be want to buy this. And then they go at the marketing thing. It sounds like your passion drove you to build something. And then you're like, Oh, you know, how can I monetize this? So yeah. it's the other way around. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll get into some of these, um, you know, how did you do that later on? But um, yeah, so so you you had this media empire on social, right? You were, I guess, is it fair to say, um, how old are you? 39. 39. So you were among the first generation that really kind of took to social and did something with it. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. So, so really in 2009 so you know 11 years ago now uh, is when i started the blog and the blog is really what got me taking social media and at that time it was really facebook and twitter mm -hmm. but it was it was when a a facebook page for a blog was still relatively new it was when using twitter to promote a blog and a brand was relatively new sure uh not brand new but it, it's especially in baton rouge louisiana i was i was early to the scene of of food blogging, of using social media in that way, and and that helped. You know, it, it helped on to be an early adopter. Yeah. So so um, I guess you know, with all your experience, I, I think a, a, a relevant place to start might be just say, look, you know, you've you stumble across people when you do your speaking engagements and all this kind of stuff, and and I'm sure you come across aspiring people that want to get into the food industry and this kind of stuff. What what do you say to them? Is like, you know, your takeaway after having built this empire or whatever, and 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 what do you say to these people that maybe, you know, want to achieve some of the success that you have? Well, I, I really think it depends on what their passion is and, and what they're really trying to do. A lot of people, a lot of people think they want, um, you know, some of the notoriety or fame. I don't, I feel uncomfortable even kind of saying it that way sometimes, but, but, <laughs> but they don't really want that. What they really want is to get recognized for what they're doing in the kitchen. Yeah. Well, while I've gotten recognized for a lot of my food stuff, I really I built the media side of it first, and and then I really kind of found my path in the food world. Yeah, uh, all a lot of chefs out there are building their path in the food world first, and then they're trying to get the media attention, but they really don't know what they're doing there. They're not experts by any means, or or, or even novices at at marketing or brand awareness or creating. Any type of brand of people for latch to, for people to latch onto, they have no media training, they have no, you know, natural skill set in there. And, and and if you take a chef out of a kitchen and you throw them on a, a cooking segment on the news, and they're just horrible, it, that's not going to actually do them. Sitting that good. once in a while, have you? Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> me too. Yeah, me too. yeah. It's, I mean, it's look. Sometimes I I do really great interviews with chefs on my radio show. Sometimes they're the worst interviews ever because they just. 
I mean, that, that's not a it's not a chef thing. It's a it's a people thing, right? Yeah, it's, it's, a, I mean, it's a skill to be able to get up in right. front of people and talk or get on television. When that lens goes in front of you, man, you, you see that red button. You, people yeah. just crumble. Yeah. So it's it right. It, it it has nothing to do with chefs or anything. But I, I I guess the answer there is that I think there are a lot of chefs that get into the food world and want to be a chef so they can be in the back kitchen and not be in a person uh, you know a people facing position even uh, your your typical wait staff is going to be better than your typical chef on camera or on the radio or yeah. you know just in the media and so it's it, i i would say that if somebody really wants to try to build something it's train yourself to do the things that you're not comfortable doing right like i mm. i actually i was comfortable on camera and and on tv i was i i had to train myself to cook um <laughs> if you know how to cook great but but fame's not just going to find you because you know how to cook you have to get comfortable with all those other things as well i mean anthony bourdain didn't get famous as a chef he got famous as an author and a tv host and, and he happened to be a chef do, you know and, something awful about me yeah so six months ago you know i, I got rid of cable and I'm, I'm sitting there on the Roku TV, and it always has a little <clears throat> suggestion of things that you should watch, mm -hmm. right? And uh, and up comes Gordon Ramsay's Hell's Kitchen. And yeah. I watched one season, yeah. and it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I just discovered Gordon Ramsay six months ago. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that awful? And you're British. I know Anthony Bourdain, right? I'm now addicted to the dude. But anyway, I know him. I just I, I saw a few of his shows. They were yeah. good stuff. They were good stuff. But speaking of television, I mean, I, 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 I want to make sure people fully appreciate when you say you, you got out there. Um, you really got out there. And so, so first question is, you know, tell us about your experience with the Food Network, because that's kind of like the apex of your public um, opinion, uh, public um, exposure, I guess. Sure. But also, I'm interested in how that come about, because I know from my own experience that, you know, action begets action, but people, mm -hmm. when they're like, where do I start? It's, it's, not, it's not that simple. You know, what was your journey to get to, well, what happened on Food Network yeah. and how did you get there? So the, I, the, the multiple things have happened on Food Network. The, the main two that brought me some nice notoriety was finishing runner-up on season 11 of Food Network Star yeah. and then beating Bobby Flay on the show, Beat Bobby Flay. Um, so the path there is exactly how you put it. One thing led to another, led to another, led to another. It wasn't just, uh, you know, it, it wasn't just a one stroke of luck that got it for me. Sure. And it, it also wasn't, um, you know, just, yeah, it, one application or something that like I totally set my eyes on. I, I don't know. So back in, back when I started the blog in, in 2010, the first season of MasterChef with Gordon Ramsay aired on, <laughs> aired on Fox. And yeah. I watched it. It was this amateur, amateur cooking competition. I thought to myself, well, I've got a food blog now and I'm, I'm doing some cooking at home. Like I could do this, um, you know, take all my tailgate experiences and, and, and see what happens. So I sent in an application and it was online, you know, I mean, sure. but, but I took the time to fill out an online application for season two of MasterChef. And that is what 
started the whole thing rolling. And that was in 2010. Wow. I wasn't on Food Network Store for another five years. I wasn't on, I didn't beat Bobby Flay for another three years after that. So, I mean, these things have, they, they've taken time. I ended up getting cast on season two of MasterChef, didn't make it very far. A few years later, one of the casting directors there was casting for Cutthroat Kitchen on Food Network. She called her Rolodex of people that she had worked with on MasterChef, asked if we wanted to do Cutthroat Kitchen. That got me onto Food Network for the first time. I auditioned for season 10 of Food Network Star in New Orleans uh, in the summer of 2013. I did not get on, but I made it really far through the audition process. I Skype interviewed with the producers. I had gotten a callback interview. Like I, I was close. Didn't end up getting on. That show aired summer of 2014. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Food Network Star is a, it's, it's, it's a long format. It's not on the air anymore. They, they stopped it after like 15 Every, Everything's on or, the air, man, now. It's all on yeah. the internet. I mean, well, <laughs> true, true. But, but they, they stopped doing Food Network sure. Star. It, it, it had its, uh, the end of its run after 15 or 16 seasons. Uh, but I was on season 11. So I was, I went through that casting process. I didn't get on. Food Network Star cast 12 people. It's usually six guys, six girls. In that, there's usually a lot of diversity in what part of the country you come from, what mm -hmm. style of food you cook, race, ethnic background, uh, home, uh, you know, sexual preferences. I mean, it's a, it's a, Very it's a, PC. it is a, it is a diverse <laughs> casting process. Yeah, yeah. Right. And they're making a TV show. Sure. It makes sense. They, they're casting for diversity. So there's only so many big bearded Southern straight white men that they're going to get that are like outdoor <laughs> cooks. Right. And your story makes it unique as well. Yeah. So, well, so season 10 airs, it's, I, I made it really far in the casting process and, uh, it, and then I didn't get a call back and then it aired and they had uh they had this large bearded chuck wagon cook that did this like outdoor cooking it wasn't tailgate style it was like wagon west style and then uh and then they had a guy from uh, a chef from new orleans that was on that season as well so there was their louisiana tie and i can kind of see why i got left out well they were casting for season 11 and they didn't do any casting calls in new orleans the closest one was dallas it was on a weekend where there was no way i could get to dallas i, I knew i had made it really far the year before so i didn't want to give up on it but i also was just like man i i can't go to dallas that weekend i'm i'm just not going to worry about it they they were in touch with me last year if they want me they'll call me mm. sure enough two weeks later they called me and they were they were just like hey like we're not coming to louisiana this year we're looking for our, like one louisiana person you want it I, essentially I, th I think of it as you know broadly speaking it's planting seeds mm -hmm. you know you you're the kind of guy that has 10 20 things going at any one point and yeah. and it doesn't really ma almost matter which one um sprouts but something's always sprouting yep and then once you're in the ecosystem it leads to the next thing so so um i want to know um as far as marketing methods go and this is kind of be a bizarre question for you because you've done so many different things but you know specifically when it comes to your your sources and your rubs what marketing method has achieved the most success for your food products and answer that however you want to so it, it it's been marketing me right it's it, it more so than marketing just the sauces and the rubs and i think it's one thing that gives me even if it's not an advantage over other food brands like this, it, it, per se, it's it's a mark of differentiation, right? It sets right. me out in the market. Mm -hmm. That my marketing on the JD's product line is marketing me. Right. It's it's building my name. It's building my brand. And then it's oh, you want to try my barbecue sauce? Cool. There it is. Right. Uh, so it's not all about 
the barbecue sauce all the time and all about the product line all the time. It's more about what am I doing? How am I continuing to get myself out there? What are these other things that I'm into? And then can that help sell the products? Yeah, we use the word brand a lot, but you're kind of creating a culture that everyone likes to be part of, right? Right. Yeah, right. yeah you're that's, kind of leveraging it through that. That's kind of the idea. And then, you know, uh, other than that, I would absolutely just say that social media is the, <laughs> the main way that I do any marketing there. You know, I mean, it's, uh, it's important. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. I mean, gotcha. it's... it's uh, that that's all important. Okay, so uh, biggest setback, you know. So this this is the, this is the journey, and you fail more than you succeed. Oh, and yeah. So what is the uh, thing that failed a biggest in your journey? Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> flashbacks. Yeah, there, there's there's several of them. Um, I mean, there's there's festivals that I tried to put on that flopped, or or that I mean, I guess it never flopped. I always pulled the plug before it could even flop. Right. But it was just kind of a well, that was a waste of a few months of planning and organizing just to pull the plug <laughs> on something that didn't work. Sure. Um, Master Chef was a flop. Um, I learned a lot. I, there were a lot of positive experiences to take with it, but I got one shot to cook for gordon ramsay and you know he he, he told me uh to to pack my bags you know? <laughs> uh the venison's cooked perfectly but the bell pepper it's bland what a shame what a shame why are you doing a jamaican that's, accent that's what he really yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I get it i get it i get it so so we're we're at time but i had a little thing i wanted to do for you because um if so you know it, it, most people that don't stumble across the opportunity to hear from people that have actually traveled on this journey and achieved success, they go online and they pull up, uh, you know, how to market food products, or whatever. So I did that and I found an article. <laughs> it oh, said great. 11 highly effective marketing strategies for a food and beverage business. Oh, see, this might be good. This is, this is fine. So I'm going to hit you with these and I just want you to, um, to kind of give me your feedback on if having gone through the journey, which of these would you ignore? Okay. Okay. And which should you double down on? Oh, I like it. Okay. So here we go. So I'm going to go through all of these and I'm going to give you the sheet and you can just give me your feedback as you see fit. So number one is brand positioning your restaurant. Number two is packaging your product. Number three is make a statement with your unique selling point. It sounds so clean, doesn't it? Number four, blogging. Number five, email marketing. Number six, social media marketing. Number seven, hosting events at your location. Mm. Number eight, listing your business in online directories or websites. Number nine, festive and seasonal offerings. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Number 10, partner or associate with other brands. You should definitely partner with that J guy we've been talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and 11 is reinventing your image. So like, I'm going to pass you the sheet of paper and you just feel free oh, this to... this is great. Yeah. What, which should a, a young person, an entrepreneur, just completely ignore and what should they double down on? So brand positioning your restaurant. If you have a restaurant and you're trying to launch a product out of a restaurant, sure, it makes sense to tie it to that. We actually are very careful to not cross the brands between Government Taco and my product line. Okay. We use a lot of my product line at Government Taco. We don't retail my product line at Government Taco. I just want you to taste it there. I just want Government Taco to be a customer of the JD's product line. It's not a co-branded thing. Now, if I ever launched a barbecue restaurant, it would need to be co-branded with my barbecue products, but my taco shop doesn't. Gotcha. So, eh, and depends on <laughs> depends on what you're doing and what your product is and how tight, how closely it relates to a restaurant that you're a part of. Packaging your product is huge. Um, 
spending the time, the energy, the effort, the resources to uh, make your product unique for store shelves to be branded properly, to stand out properly, to be designed properly is big. Who's your photographer? Uh, uh, I use Jordan Heffler yeah, for a shout lot out of my to Jordan. photography. I've and, been looking at that sexy photography you've been putting out your yeah. sources and it looks good. Yeah, that's the, that's mostly Jordan Heffler. Uh, and then the the packaging design itself is, uh, is a company that I work with called Small Batch Creative that's part of Echo Tango. Cool. Which is Eric Martin, Tommy Talley, and that group. Love that um, man. So too. if anybody needs help with that, feel free to reach out to me. Um, make a statement with your unique selling point. Eh. <laughs> I mean, d- just do you. And if that's not unique, then what are you doing? Gotcha. You know, I, 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 I guess that's important, but it's not something that I've ever focused on. Sure. Blogging, I've done, but blogging specifically about my product line is tricky but i guess that's more like in my world recipe development like show people how to use this louisiana molasses mustard because if they have no clue what to do with a molasses mustard so that i mean that's kind of blogging recipes that that are posted online uh email marketing yeah done a lot of that have big email lists if anybody wants to sign up go to uh um Social media marketing, big. That's one of the main things. Photography is a huge part of that. Don't forget to focus on you know what the content you're creating is and doing some high-quality content to drive some people your way. But a focus on social media marketing, huge. Uh, hosting events at your restaurants or, or just your, your other spaces. If you have that kind of a product, absolutely. A brewery is going to promote the heck out of their beer by hosting events at their brewery. Sure. You know, it, so it depends on what your product is and what kind of space you have. But yeah. Listing your business and online directories or websites, uh, to whatever degree you can, it can't hurt. Uh, festive and seasonal offers. I've done some of this. Um, so we do for online sales, kind of do some different holiday bundles and, you know, Memorial Day, 4th of July, sure. tailgate time, holidays, kind of do different packaging and different different things like that. Is, so, is it worth a month of your energy to, to, to plan? Is it? Well, if it was all I was doing for a month, no. Mm-hmm. But usually it's really a couple hours <laughs> of, okay. of planning and then, and then you launch something or it's just offering a, a special, a deal a seasonal offer and you know it, I, I have found it to be somewhat effective partner or associate with other brands certainly have done some of that uh, a lot of that overall with myself but with the product line specifically have done a good bit of it sure. I mean in one way or another getting other people to use it uh, doing some promotions with restaurants that feature my products or anything like that uh, and reinventing your image yeah Always got to do that. Always, always got to be reinventing your image. My, my products, like I said, are so based on my image. So that's a little bit. It depends on what you're really trying to do, what you're trying to brand. If you're launching something based off of a restaurant, mm-hmm. that's a lot different than something based off of a person. Even if the person and that restaurant are really tied together, um, yeah, it's it's tricky. You like Yoda for food? I'll, stuff. T- I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. I so, try to be wise. Yeah, you know. wise. Well, you're getting old now, and with age comes wisdom. Right. Hope. Right. Right. So, certainly wiser now than I used to be. Hey, listen. Um, if if you would just let people know where they can go to buy some of your products or, or learn more about what you're doing, because the empire of Jay Cody is just is just vast and, and far reaching. So, where can they go to learn more about you? JayDakoti.com. J a y d u c o t e. dot com. A lot of information there on, on myself. A lot of recipes, and then uh, also the the online store there for the JDs. Louisiana product. So it's all all at jdecody.com. Boom. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks for listening to Think Jargon. 
If you like this episode, share it with a friend or post a review at iTunes. Your reviews help new listeners find our show. Have a sales question or a marketing problem that you'd like us to cover on a future episode? Contact the show at thinkjargon.com. Until next time, make sure you make the world a better place and cut through the jargon.